Welcome. My name is Jonathan Carroll. I'm Nathan Morris. <laughs> and this is... You'll Die Trying. A podcast between uh, us about life and uh, meaning and uh, forgiveness and... Do you know what this podcast is about? I'm glad to be back in the studio with you. I'm glad to be back in the studio with you. Dr. Carroll, ladies and gentlemen, is super slammed today, and he wants to be here with me and for you, and that's awesome. Thank yeah, you. I'm, uh, I'm, I, you know I love it. I'm excited. I know, but you are so slammed. You're oh like, I can be here for the next 27 minutes. <laughs> I'll be there at 3.03. Hey, you did come in hot with fudge. Hey, I've been eating nothing today <laughs> except for Christmas candy that um, uh, a very dear client brought, and I'm uh, very grateful. And she is an avid podcast listener. so It was delicious. Thank you. Dr. Carol says, I haven't eaten all day. Half is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I think the Wonder Boys ate it all. Yeah. That's okay. It's good. I can't, I can't afford to eat complex carbs um, unless a day ends with a letter Y. That's that means I always eat complex right. carbs. Right, <laughs> I'm learning, however, that my body doesn't like carbs. Yeah, or that it does, and it's just not good. Are so, you, is it because you're getting old that it doesn't like carbs? Thanks, yeah, thanks a lot. Sorry. It's all about metabolism, and that you know I don't have one. <laughs> so, <laughs> how have you been? I've been good, listeners. I've been Wait, I was that was a question for our listeners. Oh, go ahead. No, you first. How are you doing, Nathan? You. You, you. I'm good. I'm doing very well. I feel good today. This we're is a gonna, good day. This is a day, by the way, we're changing roles. Uh, I'm going to be self-deprecatingly humorous. Okay. And I'm going to be like philosophically intelligent. I, I didn't know say the where word that right. was going to go. Yeah. That could have gone in the yeah. direction. <laughs> were you nervous? No. Okay. No. I'm confident. I, I mean, no, I'm not. I'm not confident. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you remember watching Nickelodeon as a kid? Yes. What, really? Yes. Okay, because there's 10 years between us, so I didn't know if it was still... Yes. And they had, uh, there was a show, uh, I think it was, I, I can't remember, but anyway, Opposite Day was a big thing. Did you ever remember that on Nickelodeon? It may have been on Double Dare. Or was it all that, or... I don't remember, but being opposite, everything that you said, it was opposite of what the actual thing was. And then when I was in school, we would add the letters in apostrophe T to everything, so it's like, yeah, I can do that, and... That's so. That is so dumb. And <laughs> perfect. That was fun. I liked it. So I'm. So I'm coming in hot. I'm not gonna lie. He is. It's okay. And you know what? We are recording this on Christmas Day. Ho ho ho! That is how dedicated we are. I love it. I bet our families are pleased. I bet they love us. Yeah. <laughs> Megan has Navy on the carrier, Anderson and Everett on either hip screaming, mm -hmm. and mom's probably on her way over with the uh, cinnamon casserole. So my family is doing a, a family portrait um, without me. <laughs> I'm going to superimpose um, a younger version of myself That's, in the picture. They'll understand. It it'll be a beat shot. I'll look a little <laughs> out of place. <laughs> they'll understand. I thought because of how busy things are today that we might talk about the difference between... Um, Running a business 
and busyness. I would like that. It's just a one-letter change. Yeah. Do you know which letter? Mm-hmm. Okay. The I and the Y. Wow. Yes, I did it. Yeah, so I, I could never have done that. So anyway, uh, I was taught that busyness is a distraction, uh, an interruption, an unhelpful way of thinking about the use of one's time. That there's a difference between being engaged and engaging and busy. Tell me about when your teachers in uh, your growing up years, the Catholic school in which you were raised, tell me about when they would use the word busy. Hmm. My brain goes back to like the fifth and sixth grade. We would have these uh, projects to do and we sat in these rows and uh, it was silence. Mm -hmm. It was very, very common for there to be silence and social studies, for instance, they'd give us handouts and stay busy. You know, yeah. I heard that from Miss Ball and Miss Boris a lot. Mm -hmm. That's all I can remember, really. I remember third grade, uh, Ms. Pelton, formerly Ms. Ramey, had her another year. She would talk about busy work. She just named it. Teachers nowadays are like, we're just going to watch a Christmas movie. Okay, kids? And that's going to be education. Back then, my teachers were like, uh, I don't want to teach you, so I'm just going to give you things that make you feel busy. Busy work. Like coloring pictures of Santa? So, like, connect the dots and it's like a stocking full of your failed success in the future. <laughs> so, uh, but I did it. You know, I was really good at busy work. Another word they used for in earlier years, like with Ms. Rink in the second grade, was seat work. Seat work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think people use the concept of busyness to make themselves feel good. Like pushing papers, just like, like taking one pile and like rearranging it to yes. another pile. Analysis leading to paralysis. Organizing nothing. Getting ready to get ready. Yes. Exhausting and horribly inefficient. And when there are people who are working with or for you in that environment and they're that way, you you feel you feel that. That's not that's not good. So, you know, that's some room for some coaching. But uh, I, I don't want to be one of those people who talks about being busy so that it looks like I'm important. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, I think busy, I don't know, it has a negative connotation for me, a pejorative connotation for me. Yeah. I'd, I'd much rather talk about being uh, engaged or uh, fulfilled or you know, making maximum use of the time given to me today. It's a little longer than saying the word busy, but I think busy has a... There's a sense in which people try to out-busy one another. Mm -hmm. I know somebody who compares their calendar on their phone. If you ask them, I, I don't. I do not ask them how they're doing because they will literally talk about their calendar on their phone and how, oh, uh, never mind. I don't want to mock, but it's just, it's, yes, people literally try to out-busy the other. Mm -hmm. Why? And I, I think busyness is a symptom not of commitment but i think it's a symptom of betrayal of who betrayal of who oneself got it because i think uh what we what we need to be do, doing is being committed to the work that's before us and doing it the best we know how and then leaving it there and then going and being committed in our other areas of life including our families uh, our self care our hobbies, our extended families, our community service, but continuing to just work, 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 even if one loves one's work, 
unless you're like the national security advisor or a Navy SEAL Team 6, there's probably an opportunity for you to take a break. I'll never forget, I got a card once from a mentor of mine, a, a professor of mine, who uh, to whom I had, you know, written a brief note saying, you know, I just felt like I was slammed. I was really busy and I didn't have a whole lot of time. And and uh, there's not time to take a break. Like I wasn't going to take my vacation that year or something. And my friend wrote back and he said, well, it's nice to meet the one person to whom God could not afford to grant a Sabbath. And I was like, ouch. Dang. So obviously nobody's that important. And Sabbath, rest, renewal, recreation, pushing pause, um, renovare, you know, renovation, renewal, all of that is is required of all of us. And there isn't anybody who gets a pass. So, renovare. Yeah, renovare, kind of a, uh, I guess, Latin word meaning renewal, from which we get the word renovation to tear down and, and build up again. It brings up a good point. Have you ever had someone say to you, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't do that. I was too busy. Yeah. Oh, I want to rub, run my head through a wall. I'd rather say, I'm sorry, I didn't do that. I didn't want to. Right? Yeah. I remember Phoebe from Friends, someone said, would you help us move? Oh, I wish I could, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I like Phoebe. She's awesome. So yeah, I, 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 I wish I could, but I'm too busy. Yeah. Busy doing what exactly? Yeah, and like, why weren't you able to do that during the time allotted for that? See, it, it seems to me like busyness is for, for many people. I'm not, I'm not excuse. Yeah. This isn't for everyone. And I'm not trying to say that everybody who's overworked and underappreciated should feel bad about that. I'm not, but I do think busyness becomes a distraction and it becomes an excuse. Yeah. So busyness. So what's the next? Yeah. So business of course is, is the, the work um, that we, that we put ourselves to. It's, it's the work that we feel in whatever way it called to, even if we don't particularly like it, it's what we're doing. It's, it's where we are. And we need to be good stewards of that. But I don't think that be doing business should be the same thing as busyness. I think that it's, it's, a, it's an invitation to a structured life, to parameters and boundaries. How many people do you know, do you think, just off the top of your head, may struggle with having boundaries? How many people? Mm-hmm. Really? Probably every person that I know. Is that a, that's a safe answer. Probably every person that I know, because the people that are working at eight, nine at night and that are sending the text message when you're trying to put the kids to bed and you're like, are you seriously sending me a text message about that right, right now? Like, can right. you not wait till eight o'clock tomorrow morning? And then the people that send text messages at 6.07 in the morning about something work-related. <laughs> right. I try not to be that person. Uh, I've probably done that. That's that's invading a boundary, invasion of boundary. Um, maybe an email would suffice. Okay. But not a text message. Text message goes over the wall into the personal. You think so? So so keep it to email. Uh, keep in, it to email, right? And send send a text within uh, appropriate time. After 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. After 8 a.m. Is, is and, my and, time. And not after 6 p.m., I would say. Definitely. I think after the 6 p.m., text messages are that of personal matter. Like if for you and me, for instance, we have a personal friendship as well as a you know, business friendship and relationship and you mm-hmm. and I respect one another and our boundaries. So I know for a fact, if I'm talking to you and I send you something work related, it's not going to be one offensive two intrusive because I know that you'll respond to it when you respond to it. Mm-hmm. Do you, yeah. you can't be sending people text messages at eight o'clock at night re- regarding work matters. I don't think that it's, uh, that it's considerate. 
I don't either. I think emails still should be uh, basically an expectation of a response within around 24 hours. 24 to 36 hours, I'd say. And I think you can write your email and send your email whenever you want. And savvy people will schedule their emails to go out in an appropriate time, even if they wrote it at 4 a.m. So that no one looks at their phone like, oh my gosh, he was up at 4 a.m. writing this. Like once again, as the Bible says, if you're going to pray, don't pray in public. Go in your private prayer closet and pray, which is funny because first century Palestinians didn't have private prayer closets. So I'm not exactly sure where that came from. But the idea was don't do it just to be seen to do it, right? to be seen doing it. So I I think it's important if you're going to send an early in the morning email that you might want to schedule that to go out at a certain time so that it just avoids that whole conversation. Um, But text messages still bear with them the expectation of a relatively immediate response. Now, I am not able to do that. I'm just not, you know, I, I, because of the way that I'm working, I can't be on my phone and in front of someone listening to their story at the same time. So I will not have my phone with me, which is sometimes hard because when you're going from, you know, person to person to person without a break, you you don't always get to things like you think you should. But I think people have come to expect that they're just not going to hear back right away, which is, that's okay. Yeah, it's absolutely okay. Yeah. So it's interesting that the word busyness, back to busyness, uh, originated as uh, the state of being busy. And then it became a a way of saying anxious. And then it became a way of saying to be about an appointed task. So it's funny to watch the etymological like movement of the word, the history of the word. Like it started to mean this and it became this and it became that. And we know how that works. Words are always changing their meaning. Um, But I think it's interesting that busyness at one point meant to be anxious. Because how many busy people seem anxious? People who say they're really busy. I think even you said that a minute ago. You're like, are you anxious? It's like, no, I'm not anxious. I'm just busy. Then I was like, we should talk about that because I don't like that word. <laughs> so <laughs> that, yeah. changes, that changes the vocabulary that I want to use. When people say, have you been busy today? My response will be, I've been productive mm-hmm. today. When I think of busyness now, do you know the... You know the banks of a river, for instance, where you load a, a boat in. You have the the loading dock, but on the side, there's usually a bunch of rocks, like the white, like those white, gray looking rocks. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Wrap. Yes. Yeah. So I think of busy people just standing in those pile of rocks, like picking up handfuls, armfuls, and then just walking to the other end of those busy of those piles of rocks mm-hmm. and dropping those, mm-hmm. and then picking up another set and just walking. Like it's literally just yeah. kind of like one grain what, of sand yeah. from one beach to the other. Yeah. What are you What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Or or you carry that one piece of paper around the office all day long, and everybody looks at them like, "Wow, they're so busy." Yeah, yeah they're so busy carrying that piece of paper. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. the thing they do. That's what they do. I always feel bad because uh, in my space, uh, in my setup, I have a a circle. Um, so that when you enter into the waiting room, then you come into the clinical room, you leave out of a secondary door so that people don't ever have to interact with one another. But it's it's a it's sizable enough that you, I mean you, they can hear doors every now and then opening and closing. So I will let someone out one door and then go in the waiting room to bring the other person. And sometimes my clients will be like, "Do you need a break?" <laughs> I feel so bad, like 
first, do I look like what? No, no, no. I just know that someone just left. Oh yeah, no, it's fine. Come on in. Like I'm, I'm good. But it's like, they are concerned. They worry about me. And I probably would be that way too, if I'm going into an OR and my surgeon is over there on that table and he's like sweating and you know, this isn't working. Is that what you're doing? Are you sweating profusely? (laughs) No. Does it depend on the situation? Yeah, yeah, I probably am. And then he turns around and he comes to to my desk. I'm like, do you, do you need a break? Yeah, I I totally would get that. I get that. But no, it's being engaged and listening and being present. Yeah, it's it's an art, it's a craft, it's it's work, but it's beautiful and I love it. And I don't ever feel busy when I'm doing it. You know, I remember being a pastor, people would pop their head in and they'd be like, "Are you are you busy?" And I I had a response to that at one point that was something like, "I'm absolutely doing the work of this good place, but I'm not I'm not doing so to the extent that I couldn't spend some time with you, so come on in," you know. And I was taught that interruptions like that are the core and the meat of ministry that the things you least expect to happen, the people you least expect to pop in are the places where the most important ministry often happens. And I wonder if that's true in other places of business. I think interruptions, distractions, uh, the the breakdown of, of machines, of lines in plants, um, HR problems, uh, other issues that may pop up that disrupt the flow. Excuse me, I wonder how much that becomes not a distraction, but becomes the thing. Like, what what do we need to extract from that? What do we need to learn from that? What about that pause is good for us? Does that make sense? Yes, yes. There's a there's a lot of opportunity in times where that happens within mm-hmm. the funeral home world. I mean, you're you're conducting visitation, you're conducting funeral, and then for previous families will oftentimes come in to receive a death certificates or, or request more information or something. So you, we have a policy where you stop everything that it is you are doing mm-hmm. and you literally are serving them. And mm-hmm. those are like some of the best interactions that we, that we are able to have, you know, to be able to hear that you've affected them positively or that maybe they're doing a little bit better than the last time that you saw them. And just yeah. quite frankly, putting your arm around them, it's refreshing for you, for them. Uh, push, pushing of the pause buttons. Really good. I think that people need to see um, their leaders handle difficulty well. Some of the businesses uh, with whom I consult, and there are many, so no one should try to think, oh my God, is this me? They do not necessarily handle difficulty well. If there is a plan that gets thwarted or a trajectory and momentum that gets stymied, oftentimes it is the leader who will have the most anxious reaction to that. And that, I think, right there is is the spot where there is the most needed growth, because it is not helpful for the institution, for the organization, for the business or the company, for the employees to see its leadership in a reactive state. I'm not saying, you know, not to have any emotional input or reaction at all, but I think a response is always better than a reaction. And when you've been proactive, the things that happen that generate pause or a breakdown in equipment or a a stopping of the productivity line, when you've been proactive about trying to create measures to counteract that, then there isn't as much a need to react anyway because you've thought so much ahead of time. Like, this is going to happen. All systems fail. When it does, what are we going to do? What's the process? So when you have those kinds of plans in place, it makes it a little bit less anxiety-inducing. 
I think leaders need to be the most mature and the least anxious person in the room at all times. Is it bad if I, if something, I'm trying to think of a recent situation, can't think of the situation, but I oftentimes go, is that reactive or is that just, I think it's more of a centering thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, whatever. No, I think that's totally fine. If you're taking a deep breath, you're teaching your people, hey, in a moment of, of potential anxiety, take a beat, take a nice deep breath for you, a sigh, maybe. Uh, there's this text in, uh, in the Bible in Romans where uh, Paul or whomever is writing uh, that, that all of creation is groaning in sighs too deep for words. And you've been there, right? Like something has happened and it's just... Because <sighs> yes. there aren't any words that will go with it. It's yeah. just uh, just a sigh. But something happens in that. You're like, okay, yes, I got that out. As a leader, it's funny because people don't see. I mean, you're running. You know, you're you're steering the ship, mm-hmm. and it's you know you're in your you're in your spot, and people come to you from all angles all the time. And you know, one minute it's John and or Lisa or I mean, mm-hmm. someone. Sure. And uh, I've gotten to the point throughout certain days where I'm like, is this good? Is this bad? <laughs> like, where, where are we at? I'll ask that. They'll be like, can I talk to you for a second? I'm like, is this good? Is this bad? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, well, I don't know yet. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I mean, is, is that bad as a leader to do? I mean, in a joke, it's, it's a joking manner. It's almost like I'm preparing myself in jest to prepare for something that could be like all mess hitting the fan. Yeah. What do you think? I don't think it's bad. I think it's showing me that I'm human. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm trying to create a, um, justification. Mm-hmm. Like a, a rational. Like a rationale, yeah. I think showing our humanity, vulnerability, is one of the most powerful gifts and responsibilities of leadership. Oh. I think we have to be human and we have to demonstrate that. And it's not like we need opportunities to force ourselves to do that because, you know, in the end, we are human and those those tendencies are going to shine through anyway. Right. But I think you're a better leader when you've been open to and vulnerable about that reality. I'm, hey, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm not a machine. I'm a person and I have emotional investment here too. And I'm okay making decisions where there are emotions involved. I'm just going to push pause, take a break, think, get into my headspace and use my best thinking, not only about the situation at hand, but how I am feeling about the situation at hand. It is such an interesting gift that human beings have that we can think about our feelings. We can think about our instincts. We can think about our insights and intuition. We don't have to just feel and then you know, run through the jungle because someone's chasing us. We can pause and think about what we're feeling. So even in that moment, you know, it's nothing for you to just push pause, even let people know, I need a minute give me a second. I'm going to work this out. I just need a second. However you want to say that. And let them see, kind of go in the, the um, behind the curtain into the back room and watch how you kind of cut your thoughts and piece them together into whatever it is that you're about to deliver, which comes in the shape of leadership. And if you did that every day, the people would tire of that, right? But um, at some point, let people in and let them know, hey, this is, didn't expect this to come today. Give me a second. Let me think. And then you think and you pause and you consider the options. And maybe even you do some of it out loud. Maybe you do some of it crowdsourcing, you know. Finally, you're like, okay, this is, I think, this is what we need to do. It may not be the right thing, but it's the thing that we're going to do. Yeah. 
Let's do something, even if it's wrong. And then we'll reassess and evaluate and figure it out later. Yeah, I'm going to hold on to that. That's my golden nugget. Yeah, this may not be the right thing, but this is the thing, and we're going to try it. I think that's important. I think it's really important. If you're one of those people that is uh, finding yourself carrying papers (laughs) around and just uh, being busy and not being uh, productive or, you know, investing in, you know, productivity, then, then maybe you should pause Start over, remove the word busy from your vocabulary. Absolutely. You don't need to be anxious. Absolutely not. You know, uh, practice what you do, you know, practice your craft, whether you are on a line at a desk, uh, working with people, uh, a first responder in a courtroom, in an OR, wherever you are, practice your craft, push pause when you need to breathe think about where you are and think about what's going on and think about how you feel about what's going on and try to craft a response that you think is both mature as well as creative. Avoid the temptation of feeling busy because it's really not a commitment to what you're doing. It's more betrayal of yourself. It's it's a way of pushing aside what's most important to do what is less important. Figure out what's the most important thing in that moment and be about that and never be too busy for those you love. And don't send text messages regarding work after 6 p.m. Yeah, or before 8 a.m. <laughs> or 10. <laughs> you and I are now going to be texting each other at like 3 a.m. Me and you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have an app. I'm going to download that again and send you things at all hours. Make sure you silence your phone when you're not on call. I do. good stuff hey uh if you're if you're listening to it uh in the moment this is uh this is christmas merry christmas to you merry christmas to you and yours you are loved far more than you'll ever know thank you for listening 